Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Jizz Talking for a Sunday Night. We are so honored to wrap up 2023, our final show of the year, with Amber Lynn. Amber, how are we doing today? How are you doing? Thank you, Patrick, for having me. I'm super, super honored to be here, and happy holidays to everybody out there. For sure. I was going to wear my Santa hat, and I couldn't find it, but you are in the spirit. You've got your Christmas tree back there. The lights are twinkling, and it looks fantastic. That's right. I brought my Christmas tree to share with you guys and my poinsettia, the whole thing. So, You know, we always seem to meet, and this is an unfortunate thing, Amber. We always seem to meet at funerals and memorial services. We take pictures, and our eyes are puffy, and... Uh, we need to stop meeting like that. And next time I'm out there, we need to go have a, a sandwich somewhere. But um, uh, we were at both uh, not, only, <laughs> not only at Bill, Bill Margold's uh, memorial service, but recently uh, the memorial service of Herschel Savage. And if you could reflect real quick, Amber, on both of those gentlemen and what they meant to you. Which one would you like me to talk about first? Bill. Bill he was. Okay. So I'm going to pick Bill first. You know, I met Bill Margold when I first got into the industry. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, it was a devastating loss for me. He was a mentor to me, and he was one of the biggest pain in the asses I ever met in my entire life. And we had this kind of really honest, close, tumultuous relationship. He would... Um, it, it was from the beginning of my career. The first time I met him, I walked into his office and he said, uh, what are you doing with white pumps on with, with, uh, with jeans? People don't wear pumps with jeans. And this was like coming out of the 70s where everybody was wearing like platform shoes and sandals and they were all hippies. And I was standing there in these really tall Fredericks of Hollywood white pumps with these guest jeans that were like straight legs and he had never seen that before and I said because I like it that way so what so um he said you're going to be a star in this industry uh you're going to be a legend I had no idea what that was um I had already been shooting magazines and coming up to LA and um he said, do you want to shoot film and, uh, you know, be a porn star? And I was like, absolutely not. I would never do that. And I had no idea why, but it wasn't soon after that that I made my first film. Uh, I, I started meeting people in the industry. And the idea that you have about being a porn star because of its jaded kind of stigmatism is not what you get when you walk into the industry and you begin to meet the people and you never judge a book by its cover is really what it taught me um i was coming up from orange county uh, which is where i was born and raised i had come from a broken home and a severely painful you know, background and upbringing. At the same time, it had been very wild and I had had these overprotective brothers and I was ready to shed all of that and get my own, you know, slice of life. So meeting Bill Margold for me was, 
you know, one thing about Bill is he knows everything about the industry. He was definitely a know-it-all. And he <laughs> knew everybody and everything. And he took me to Rev Sawitz from Pretty Girl International. And I knew that there were two competing agents. And I would know later on in my life, Jim South from World Modeling. But at that time, when I started, I chose to go with Rev. And, you know, um, that's how my career began. Uh, Bill Margold was a part of my life forever. He was the kind of guy where no matter where my career went, even when I was like at the top of my fame in the industry and out on the road touring and featuring and making you know, money and all of this, if something in my life would go wrong or something would happen in the industry, I would go into my dressing room or back to my hotel or wherever and I'd call Bill. And that would be like this moment where whatever it was was just very real for me. And I did always appreciate that. Um, the day that Bill died, I was the one that the police called. I had been on the phone with him at, you know, early that morning. He had been having problems with his legs. And I called him up and said, I'm coming over to get your ass. You're going to the hospital. I can't believe you're letting this go this long. And he said, leave me alone. I have a podcast to do, blah, blah, blah. And I said, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. And um, that was the day that Bill Marble died. So it was painful for me. You know, we all jumped into our cars and ran over to Bill's house because I knew the minute the police said, you know, we're looking for his next of kin. And I said, you know, I don't think Bill's close to his family. We're his family. And they said, no, we have to have his family, his real family. I knew he was he was passed at that moment. So we ran over there and we were the ones that literally picked Bill Marvel's body up together and carried it down the stairs right. so it was it it was uh it was painful to say goodbye to bill it really was and i feel his loss every day in the industry and um you know it's just it's uh it was a great loss for me yeah i know that um bill always finished phone calls with somebody else so you talked to him in the morning and then I talked to him a little later on. He said, well, I just got off the phone with Amber and, and blah, 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 Amber. And he threw out all these acronyms and initials and, you know, AMCA and, and all these initials. Anyway, uh, and he says, Patrick, can we get to a Walmart? Does they still sell those 25-pound phones with a dialer on them? He says, this phone's a piece of shit. And so anyway, I figured, because I was on the phone on hold for his radio show and heard him die. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so anyway, this Vincent fellow um, was on the was the moderator of it. And he says, "Patrick, did you hear that?" And I said, "Well, I I heard something, but I said he'd been having phone problems. I figured the phone just cut out." And so I called and called and called and called and called, and then um, Herschel the next day called and told me uh, what had actually happened. And so anyway, that was. Uh, the sad part about that, but yeah, I was on hold with his radio show that night, and but I did get a nice bear from uh, the memorial service of Detroit Lions bear, and the Lions won today. So 
Oh, yay. And I couldn't believe that, too, right? So, so, yeah, that was another thing I wanted to mention. And the one thing that I do want to mention, the one thing I do miss most about Bill is that whether you liked Bill or you didn't like Bill, um, we I think we all appreciated that he took went to great lengths to recognize each and every one of our careers and made us into legends. And in, in a world where we are so stigmatized and looked down upon as an industry, that bill went out of his way to recognize our career achievements and um, keep the um, feeling of the family of X going in the industry. And he, he says, if I heard him say it once, I heard him say it a million times, if I was in a street fight, the person I'd want on my side is Amber Lynn. <laughs> I heard him say that a dozen times. Let's, let's take a, uh, before we talk about Herschel or anything else, let's take a, a question here. Uh, let's go to Adam. He's got his hand up here. And Adam, go ahead. Hello, Patrick, and hello, Amber. It's it's great to be in the midst of so much adult royalty this evening. And hello, Sharon, real quick. But Amber. I was been a longtime fan, uh, one of the most beautiful performers of all time. I wanted to ask you, though, about your mainstream career, and what are your best memories that you would like to share with the listeners out there uh, about your mainstream career? And again, Patrick, thank you, and happy holidays to everyone in the group. You bet. Well, thank you, Adam. It's nice to meet you. Happy holidays, and thank you for your question. Uh, lots of stuff has been going on. To be honest with you, um, I started out as a mainstream model in down in Orange County before I came up and started working in adult magazines and um, then progressed into doing movies, um, and I've done several mainstream films. I was in Evil of the Night with Tina Louise and uh, Julie Newbar Newmar and David Carradine. I was in 52 Pickup, John Frankenheimer's 52 Pickup, which is where I was honored to get my, um, my original SAG card with Anne-Margaret and Vanity and John Glover. And I think mm -hmm. Mitch was in that. Weren't you in that too, Mitch? Mitch was in that. And um, now coming up in 2024, I have just signed a contract to do a guest starring role in a SAG after an indie film called Next Stop Hell's End, where I play a mentor to a woman who is in an abusive relationship. And um, she comes into an adult entertainment club to break free and to find a new path for herself and make, you know, enough money to break out of this um, home where she's being abused. And lo and behold, she runs into me and I play some version of a character who is much like um, who I actually was in the adult industry at, when I was a feature entertainer. So I'm going to have an opportunity to be back on stage doing, you know, the big show again in a big um, uh, budget um, upcoming movie. And that's about all I can share, um, but it's going to be really awesome. And principal photography begins in March 2024. And I've got several other things going on that are um in the works and uh, thank you for asking 
Uh, sounds great. Great to talk with you, Amber. And Patrick, again, it's it's an honor to know you, sir. Have a happy holiday. You too, Adam. Thank you. You so too, much. sweetheart. Uh, Tom with the uh, podcast, The Good, The Bad, and The Nerdy is with us. Tom, go ahead for a question for Amber Lynn. Hey, thanks for having me on, Amber. Major fan, major fan. I love the uh, Rialto report you did uh, a year and a half ago. I, I Thank think that's you. Right. The, and I, I still, still uh, point out your discussion during their uh, Tracy Lord series. You know, your theory about Tracy is probably the most believable one. This is her international travels what caught her, uh, got her exposed. But uh, my biggest question is, is, in the 80s, you had the most natural look. Your body was fantastic. Your hair was so iconic. But uh, I, one of the things I was loved also is, you had such intense scenes, no matter w what the movie was. So, but what stars or performers brought the most out? Like, yeah, who were you most excited to do? Like the the most like intense stuff, like the DVPs or some of the like the really really raunchier stuff you did. Because I know you could do classy and just wild at this, you know, depending on what the part was. But you always gave, and all through your entire career, you still are doing the most wildest stuff. I. I I was like, I want them to, I want new movies from you every year. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Well, I just, and I've said this before, when I got into the industry, I didn't have a lot of pre-existing sexual experience coming from Orange County, a lot of overprotective brothers, and I was ready to experience sex. I was an adult now, and I wanted my own life, and, and I wanted to get out there and get laid. And I love fame. I love the feeling of, you know, all the attention. And when I got into the industry, and I've said this before, I was very lucky to meet people immediately, like Sharon Mitchell, a woman who was very comfortable with being with another woman, making it beautiful, making it acceptable, making it desirable. And she was an amazing actress and super hot on film and Mitch and I did quite a few movies together and she was I would say probably my greatest first mentor um, which is ironic because years later years and years I'd come full circle and Mitch would be there for a gown and she would be my Eskimo and um, she would save me in one of the darkest moments of my life, which I don't think happened by accident. But I learned so much about my own sexuality by watching her. And, of course, Mitch is not just, you know, people think, oh, they're just people fucking on film and they're just porn people. But she has all of this training in dance and theater and acting and Jamie Gillis, you know, I was with Jamie Gillis and he was one of my earliest relationships. And, you know, Jamie was a Shakespearean actor and people who really were, um, they were uh, trained actors. They were educated in their craft and they were proud of their form careers at the same time and that was the people that I learned from coming in as well as John Martin who's with us today Eric Edwards I'm so honored that he would even be in the house with us today because Eric is an icon and, and, and a legend of the industry from way back in the day so these are the people that I knew and they embraced me as like 
Mitch gave me a uh, Mitchy gave me a nickname early on when I was brand new. She used to call me Bimbat. <laughs> she used to tease me and say, "Come on, Bimbat," and she would like boss me and all this stuff. And I let her do it. And Mitch was the only one that could talk to me that way or straighten me out or tell me, you know, I had my head up my ass and I needed to say whatever. And, um, and it was great. We went to Paris together. We got to do so many amazing things that um, people only dream about. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sharon is with us. Uh, uh, how are we doing today, Sharon? I'm doing great today. I'm so happy to see Amber here and John and everybody, Patrick, you too. And what happened to Eric? <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. Anyway. Um, it's happy. I'm just happy to see everybody. I remember the three of us were in Paris. Jerry, I mean John, Amber, and yeah. I. We did Sharon and uh, Amber do Paris, and uh, we had a great time. We had a great time on the flight over. <laughs> <laughs> we almost got arrested getting off the plane. Yeah, we got arrested. We got thrown out of a hotel. Well, actually, we didn't get thrown out. We left because our money ran out, and we were very fortunate that I had a family member there. And um, and Laura had some work, so I ended up getting some work in a nightclub there for a few months. So I ended up staying there for a while. I think uh, Amber did too. Um, John, I think you went back to the states, or did you stay in Paris for a while? I did. You ruined me at, at the uh, Place Pigalle. <laughs> if you remember that evening we spent at Place Pigalle, it was incredible. <laughs> That was the two of you, though. But, Mitch, do you remember the day we were ordering, we were ordering bottles of champagne and whole turkeys sent to our suite in the and hotel? Telephone calls. We were staying at the, the Orient Hotel in, uh, what was the name of the square? Yeah. Square, which is the center of Paris, and we were shopping with all of our money, and people were following us through the streets, because at that time, I was relatively new and becoming well-known and famous, but Mitch had been famous for some time, and literally, we went to, I forget which nightclub it was, and they, people were following her. Le Bam Douche. Le Bam Douche. Remember? And she had this fishnet outfit on and no top and just a G-string with these boots. And it was totally topless, but it looked so tasteful and beautiful because, you know, Mitch had these perfect, perfect, natural, little, bitty titties. And everybody was just like... Oh, like you were just like the queen, right? And so every after that, they would follow us everywhere. The media, the press, the European press. And here's a picture of us in, is that in Paris? Is that from Dangerous Women, John? That's from Dangerous Women. Wow. Yeah, I thought wow. I that <laughs> our, our, our very, very good friend, Charles DeSantis, God bless his soul. Mr. Fucking Stuck To. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> he would say, I want you to do doggy style, I want you to do a blowjob, and, and then lick her ass, and I want that fucking Stuck To. <laughs> <laughs> I so remember coming back from Paris when we, when we finally 
you know, left that hotel and um, I had to call Jamie and say, <laughs> four months in Paris and we were lavishly treated and paid for our time there. We, uh, I went up to Monaco and shot there and the south of France, Hustler commissioned to shoot. But when I got off the plane, and I thought it was really funny, I had to say to Jamie, that he goes, where's all this money? What did you do? This is your opportunity for like to buy a house and this and that. And I started laughing and I opened my hands <laughs> and, and, and I thought it was the funniest thing. And he looked at me and he said, you realize, don't you? And I said, but the experience I had could never have a price put on it. And he just, oh. I have a photograph of us in front of that hotel in Leal where we're standing with all this incredible, like, you know, Louis Vuitton luggage and all these outfits and everything. And the two of us are standing there with our hands up with change in our hands. Just laughing. Right? And Mitch has a shopping cart, and she throws her head back, and she goes, don't let them see you sweat. <laughs> throws her head back, turns around with her shopping cart, starts wiggling down the thing. And I'm like, okay. I jumped into the cab and took us back home. And, you know, that was one of the lessons that I learned. You know, this is the difference in our industry and what people don't realize and back to what Adam G said, working in mainstream film, you know, I will walk on a mainstream set and they have been, they always have these preconceived ideas. The porn star is on the set today. The porn star. So they're like, are you sure you're going to, you know your lines, right? Yes. Are you, you going to be able to handle it? Yes. <laughs> and then they'll be like, oh my God, cut, take. That was awesome. That was unbelievable. I can't, like, they're shocked that we can actually act and perform as good as any mainstream actor or entertainer. And they just, for some reason, and I, I feel like it's our responsibility to go out and show the world that we are as capable and more because you will go to any IMDb and you'll pull up any porn star and you will see that our numbers are usually up there in the top, top actors or entertainers that are out there today, always. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, let's go. To, uh, one, one question I always get asked, and this is a question I'm sure that both uh, Mickey Lynn and Amber Lynn get Ass all the time. Are you guys sisters? I said, no, they're in the same sisterhood. Mickey Lynn is with us. Mickey, go ahead. <laughs> hey, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Hi, Amber. Hi. How are you doing? Hey, Sharon. How you been? Long time no Hi, see. Nice I haven't seen you. you since Debbie Does Dallas. It's a I long know. time. Yes, it's been a very long time. Yes, yes. And hi, Eric. How are you doing tonight? You're doing good? I'm doing you great. That's nice good. seeing That's you again. Yeah. Um, Amber, we never got the pleasure of, I never got the pleasure of meeting you, but every time, um, I would go out on the road featured dancing, they would ask me, are you Ginger Lynn or Amber Lynn's sister or cousin or whatever? And at the time that I got into the business, I didn't know who Ginger Lynn was and I didn't know who Amber Lynn was. So I just picked the name cause I liked it. And I thought that was pretty cool pretty cool um so it was fun 
but I did get the pleasure of working with your brother, Buck Adams. God, in rest in peace. And but I never got to meet, you know, work with you. So it's such a pleasure to get you to actually finally say hi and hi. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I am not uh, the sister or, or related to um, any of the Lynns. Um, Ginger Lynn and I um, are the first ones that came into the industry that I know of that use the name Lynn. Um, if you ask either one of us, one of us will say, I was here first, and then the other one will say, what was me? Okay, so, you know, there you'll find that discrepancy. But we both actually have the exact same middle and last name, Lynn and Alan. And so when we were in the industry new, I started with Reb Sawitz. She started with Jim South. So we didn't even meet each other in the beginning. So it was kind of like a sympathetical Thing when we actually did meet each other, we couldn't probably be more different because I was this girl who wanted to be like, you know, a punk rocker and, and, and have lots of makeup and lots of hair. And Ginger wanted to cultivate the girl next door. And I was like, fine with me because I don't want to be the girl next door unless she's crawling through your window in the middle of the night to have sex with you, you know, but, um, you know, so we had, you know, different paths in the same industry. And I always, always respected, you know, her achievements, too. Um, but that is how the name Lynn, I think that we both had explosive careers and that brought a lot of light onto it. And then there was uh, Portia Lynn came in, you know, a few years later and um, there was Portia Lynn. I think that the name Lynn um, was a, um, you know, an endeared middle name for a lot of beautiful girls who were born to loving parents who would use that as their second name. And a lot of us, you know, adjusted our names when we got into the porn industry because we either didn't want our families to find out or we were just, um, you know, encouraged to do that for, for one reason or another. And, um, you know, today the name is a registered trademark. I trademarked it um, because there were other people that were taking my actual name and they were trying to um, dilute my brand and make money off of it. And I was like, uh-uh, I worked way too hard to have you just up and take this from me. So um, so it is, a, it is a registered trademark, my name, Amber Lynn. And, um, and I'm very proud of my time in the, you know, in the adult career. So um, we are doing more mainstream stuff now. And yeah, so I guess, where are we going with this? Well, my middle name is Lynn, and my nickname when I was little was Mickey. So that's basically how I got my name, Mickey Lynn. So, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. So when you were coming up, did you have the name Lynn? Because yes. my name, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my when middle name. When I was name. young, my parents called me by my middle name, not my first name. They called me Lenny. So um, little Lenny and Lynn was my name when I was in school people called me Lynn or Lenny if they were you know besties and I came from one of those little southern Orange County you know hick families that were like Lenny <laughs> that was our kid that's our girl Lenny you know and, so uh-huh so and I, 
And I didn't know any porn stars because when I got start, started back in 91, I got started back in show world. So I, that's where I met all the porn stars like Heather Lear, Kistara Knight, Alicia Rio, um, Mona Lisa. That's where I met everybody. So I basically didn't know who the Lynns were. And then when I got into the business, Jim South's like, well, that's a perfect name for you. Um, and that's why I stuck with it. But it's been, what, 33, it'll be 33 years now that, you know, and like you said. Well, I will say that between the two of us, I think, you know, myself and Ginger, and I'm sure she would agree, definitely set a precedent through our own hard work and diligence because we both represent hard work, talent, and perseverance in the industry. So that is where we definitely um, are similar. We've both had careers that have um, encompassed magazines, uh, modeling, uh, mainstream, you know, acting in adult and live entertainment and mainstream. So that allows for the brand to foster. Um, and so it's good to see that others have come in and, um, you know, have been able to cultivate their own. But that, repeat, the name is definitely a recognizable adult name, Lynn, the second name of Lynn. And it's great. So, you know, I, I always appreciate knowing that people will go to the next level with our industry. And I think that people have. There have been so many great women that have come in after us that have taken it again and again, Tara Patrick, Sasha Gray, people that have um, done great things with their name in the adult business. And that's, that's what I was saying earlier, is I think we all have a responsibility to go out there and show the world that we are not what they would like to believe, the jacket that they have placed on us as the porno people. <sighs> You know, and show them what we're made of as talents and as human beings at the same time. So thank you. you I appreciate that. Next week, there's no show. And the week after that, there's no show. So our next, next show will be on January 7th. We're going to move things back uh, an hour. So if you're on the East Coast, it's going to start at 8. If you're on the West Coast, it'll start at 5. So that's going to be our next show is going to be... Um, January 7th, I've got uh, a guest I'll line up and announce down the road, too. So Alex is with us. Go ahead, Alex. Question for Amberlynn. Awesome. Thank you. I was wondering, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? About the industry? In general. You need to get sober. <laughs> That was the best piece of advice I think I ever got in life was that I needed to get sober at a time when I really needed to get sober. And now I'm 24 years sober. So that was a long time ago. Right. right? Very good. Yeah. Thank Congratulations. you. Thank you. Uh, James, was James, go ahead. Question with Amber Lynn. All right. Amber, it's wonderful to meet you. Um, I was going to touch on that. Um, I've been sober since 1994. I've been on the wagon. And um, I wanted, just wanted to commend you for your sobriety and for being able to keep that off like you have. And also for the work that you have done to help others in their battles. And I just, that's all I just, I, I, I want to just keep it real nice and short. Just to let you know that I appreciate well, all that you, you have done. 
And that thank you. you. Congratulations on your time. And I hope you're doing well with your recovery. That's I great. I haven't jumped a drop since 1994. And it's been, and, there I, and, you I, go. and I appreciate and that's everything no, that you have done. small feet. And the more you see things culminating in the world, the more you realize that it is no easy task, you know, and that it touches everybody, whether you are a porn star or the son of a president. Okay, we all we all suffer and I'm very grateful and I know that I've said this to her personally, but there was a time in my life where I was in my darkest place and nobody could reach me and somebody did and it ha came in the form of a mentor and somebody who is here with us today who was able to talk to me and talk straight and help me. And regardless of anything else in that moment, my life was spared from a spiral that I was, that I was, and it had absolutely nothing to do with my being a porn star. It was about my addiction. And that was Mitch. That was Sharon Mitchell. And she spoke to me in a way where I could hear and I got clean. And I was told at the time that my porn career was what had caused me to go into a spiral of drinking and drugging. And that was about to take my life. And for a while, I listened to those people and I knew inside of me something wasn't quite right. And it wasn't until I was about 10 years clean that I said to myself, this has not, one thing has nothing to do with the other. And it came to the epiphany that the reason why I was attracted to the adult industry is because when you're, when you're born with alcoholism, you have this desire for these insanity, you know, these big over the top things. <laughs> and I always loved punk rock. I mean, Mitch and I went to the Sex Pistols concerts and we had so much fun together. And Mitch said to me, if you trust me, I remember this conversation, you will be able to have the same life and just as much fun, completely clean, as you think you are going to lose by getting sober. And within my first year, we went to the Sex Pistols con concert. And one of the first people I met were people from that band sitting in these meetings. And I was like, and all these rock stars and all these people. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I couldn't believe that she told me the truth. But it had, if it had come from anybody but Mitch, who I gave you some backstory on our relationship where we traveled to Paris and we melted together and bottles of Cavrossier on planes and sexual debauchery and all this insanity that when she looked me in the eyes, I knew that what she was saying was true. And I will be forever grateful to you, Mitch. My forever privilege. grateful my and forever my sister, you know? Oh, yeah. My Right. So and and I'm so grateful that the rest of the world gets to find, you know, their path, whatever it is. And I'm not out there preaching. You need to go to a 12 step meeting to get clean. It worked for me when I needed it. OK. And um, and today the path I have is that it's my own, you know, but I but I am grateful for my start there. So anyway, <laughs> Lorenzo, let's uh, shift things to you. Go ahead. Question for Amber Lynn. Yeah, first of all, I want to say a special hello to Amber Lynn, uh, an icon in the industry. Um, 
congratulations on what you're going to be doing now in the mainstream. It's well overdue. Uh, tell me a little bit about the viewpoint and the things you're doing for the animals. I know that's very dear to your heart. And, of course, little G. I know how that is. Well, G, so, my, yeah. my G man, yeah, that's my Godfrey, my, my, my blessing. My, he just celebrated his second birthday, my two-year-old miniature schnauzer, who is the joy in my life and my heart. Um, I, you know, when I was, when I was young, a kid, I always had a thing for animals. Animals and children love me immediately and I have a, a, a connection to them. And I had, you know, the loss of my mother and my father and, you know, people in my life when I was young and I had would turn to whatever pet I had to have this kind of love and, and you know, uh, the, the undivided, unconditional love that these animals will give you. And, you know, as I got older, um, I got into animal rescue and stuff like that. And I find it absolutely shocking and so sad that what you will see animals go through in this world at the hands of human beings, it is so distressing. It is so distressing. And you know, it is up to us when we come to that realization that something is going on that isn't right, that we do what we can to change the path of that. And when I got into recovery, you know, we always do the opposite of things to build character. That's part of a, our journey is that we learn to do things the opposite. For example, I have a tremendous ego. <laughs> <laughs> so I do a lot of service work helping others so I can get outside of myself and learn through the course of helping others humility, you know, um, but nothing will humble you more than to see a tortured animal for no other reason than because somebody was bored that day or because there's just some evil people in the world who have nothing better to do than to create harm and distress over some innocent animal. And so I do what I can, um, you know, through the course of my own podcast, I did a lot of animal rescue and my co-host for a time was Kristen Renton. And um, she was uh, a great animal advocate. So I made a lot of connections through that. And my first soulmate dog, um, his name was Mighty, Mr. Mighty. I rescued him um, through the course of that show. And I lost him at eight years old a um, few years ago to cancer. And it was very unexpected. I thought I was just going to die. I, I've never felt so much pain in my life than the day this little dog died. And I didn't even think you could love an animal that much and didn't even know I did until I saw him take his last breath. Um, and so it, I thought I was just going to lose it. I cried for four months straight, and somebody said to me, you need to get another animal. There are other animals out there who need you. And so I came to meet the little one that I have now. But in the meantime, I started doing a lot of foster placing, placement fostering, and, you know, one of the things is, is that we can always have one more thing in life, one more house, one more car, one more motorcycle, one more dress, 
You know what I mean? But then you leave these little suffering beings to suffer. And there's no greater feeling in the world than to see one of these little abused souls rise above it and flourish. And, um, and so that's why I, I try to do work with animals. And one of the things a lot of people have asked me this in the last couple of weeks is, what do you want for Christmas? You know, Amazon, Amazon or whatever it is, wish list. I don't know if we can say that. Um, but I say, please go out there and make a tiny, small donation. Doesn't matter. It can be a couple of bucks, five bucks, whatever it is in my name to an animal who needs it to make sure that they eat and they are, you know, sheltered for the holidays. Fantastic. Fantastic. John is with us. John, uh, go ahead with a comment for Amber Lynn. Hello, Miss Amber. How are you? Hi, John. Uh, also, I'll say hello to Sharon and uh, Mickey. It's nice to see both of you. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Miss Amber, um, I, I don't really have any questions for you, but I just wanted to say thank you for um, the pleasant little conversation we had at the Deep Throat um, 50th anniversary screening earlier. And uh, unfortunately, we made up again at Herschel Celebration uh, of Life, which... Uh, I wish it would have been better circumstances, but um, I, I enjoyed our, our short little conversation, and um, I'm glad that the little G's bringing you so much joy to your life right now. And um, I, I've been a, a long-time fan of yours. Uh, for We won't say how long, but uh, <laughs> uh, I've always been a fan of... Um, so it, it, was very, it, was a, it was a very special pleasure meeting you on that day. And um, I sent you a couple of pictures to um, sign. I hope you got them. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll check in and see where they might be. I've actually been out for the last few weeks with um, a dental abscess, too, Ooh. that I'm going in oh, for. On the two days after Christmas, I'm going to be going in to get these root canal surgery and all this stuff. Yikes. So it will, it, it will be behind us soon. But, boy, I've never had anything wrong before with my teeth. And for the first time in my life, and everybody was like, well, that's how it comes. It's like it's not there until it shows up. And then it's like the whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, for the last like month and a half, I've been really suffering with the problems that I'm having with my teeth right now. Well, I wish you a very swift recovery. And um... Thank you. And I do remember you, and I remember talking to you at Herschel's um, Memorial. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Thank you. Likewise. For, thank you for your support. Uh, let's go to Eric Edwards. Eric had his hand up for a second. Go ahead, Eric. Hi. Um, Amber, I I, I want to, uh, you know, we're married, don't you? Oh. Uh, yeah, we got married in 86. <laughs> Me and you? <laughs> yep. We did? The name of the movie was uh, The Ultimate Lover. In I 86. remember that. I remember that. That's right. Very very well, I've never been married since, so I guess we're still married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we played robots and we got married, um, or they married us. Uh, gosh, that yeah, I, I looked it up and, and I was thinking, what was the last time I really remember with with Amber? And uh, we what were a gorgeous man you were in that film too, right? It was I what? 
What a gorgeous man in that film. I remember the film. I remember it, right? Well, we were both robots, yeah. Right, and I remember that. And I also Tracy remember... Adams married us, Tracy, Tracy Adams. Tracy Adams. Was it Tracy? Was Tracy Adams in that as well, or was that before Tracy Adams? Yeah, I think it was Tracy Adams. And uh, gosh, I should have looked this up. But anyway, it's called The Ultimate Lover, 1986. And uh, we were both uh, robots. So uh, they built us. Tracy they Adams actually used and, to put uh, some. Um, who was it? Was it Sharon Mitchell? I'm sure Mitch was in almost all of I my. I was a robot now. many times. I was a robot many times. Yeah. I think we were in the Cowboys Meet the Space versions. Cowboys. What were the end? No, that was PT. Oh PT. yeah, that's right. PT. PT was big oh. virgins. Remember that one? Oh, God. <laughs> yes, that did. was when we were staying at, at Honey Wilder's house, when we were yes. shooting Space Virgins, and PT was the production manager. The, I don't think... Were you in that, Eric? Were you in Space Virgins? I think you might have been in Space Virgins, too. I think he was in that, too. Yeah. Rob, I think you were in that. Who was? John, you say? Eric. Oh, Eric. Yes. So what about a couple things? I think you were in that film as well. Which one? It was another We Were All Robots. I remember that. We Were Space All Robots. Virgins. It was called, we were, were you in that? <laughs> Gary, I think he was God. one of the cowboys. Yeah, or I think he was. I think he was. And we remember because they, they formed that... It was such a crazy set because it was so broke down. It had they had like a dirt mountain. Remember, and it was in the backyard of this house. Mitch, remember, and we were in a trailer. It was in Mill, Mill Valley or something, way up northern California. And it was like a hundred farm. Was it? We had all that makeup on, like silver yes. makeup, like robot, like um, whatever. We were space women, and we had the, the outfits and the and the, all that makeup on. And they had us in this trailer, and it was like a hundred and ten degrees and in the, the middle of like the valley. Bodies, I remember. Oh, we were just dying, and they were like, "You have to shoot this scene before you can leave," and we were. Grueling 16-hour days we used to do on sets. And you know what? I miss those days yeah. because I will say this to you. The thought and the work that they would put behind even the craziest, zaniest ideas yeah. were, made the industry and the product that we were putting out so much more. Yeah. It was so much more. And the sex back then was they wanted you to really come. We wanted each other to really come. And they would allow us that moment where the human connection would come into the scene and we would actually like touch each other emotionally, physically, and have like real sex with each other. And then I realized like coming into the 90s and stuff, and I don't want to put it down because every era has its good parts and bad parts. But it seemed like the industry was gaining this momentum where we did that already. We got to do more. And then it started to become yeah, like jackass. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah. around the room and I shoot agree. fire out your ass. You can't shoot fire out your ass while doing a DP yeah. upside down with, you know, this, that, the other. And we go, 
what? I thought I had done everything until I came back and people were like, you have you ever done airtight? And then I remember Veronica Avalev telling me about doing a triple anal. And I was like, you did what? (laughs) I had to sit down with her because I'm sexually curious. I've always been. I like, I love sex. I don't care who's having it. It could be men, women, whatever. But I've always been like, wow, that's, I don't have those, I guess, because I wasn't conditioned by having a mom and, and a dad to like, you know, condition me with the religious limitations and stuff. I loved it. I have always been very curious, you know. So the first thing I said was, you can stick three cocks in your ass at the same time. How the hell do you do that? And she's like laughing at me because I'm like, well, what do you, what's the process? Because I'm thinking I could never do that. And I did a lot. I did a lot of stuff that was never done before. I did double, double vaginal penetration and the Dark Brothers, um, uh, Devil and Miss Jones 3, and like just to impress Vanessa Del Rio. <laughs> I'll be like, look, look, you know, and to compete with Ginger and Tracy Lords. I was like, look, look. They're like, I can stick one in my ass and one in my pussy at the same time. And I'm like, oh, I'll put two in my pussy and this many over here. <laughs> See, I did it better and more. And they were like, no, no. But um, for them to be able to do a triple anal, and they're doing even more now. Yep. They are. That's for sure. Yeah, Rebel Rider is just one of those prime examples. Hey, let's go to Roxanna. We haven't had Roxanne here before, but if she unmutes herself, we'll let her ask a question of Amberlynn. Go ahead and unmute yourself, Roxanne. Welcome. Hi. Um, uh, I have a question for Amberlynn. Um, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by her work in the B-movies. Can she, uh, can she go tell me some movies she's been in? <laughs> um, I was in the movie Evils of the Night as I said, with David Carradine and uh, Tina Louise and Julie Newmar and Jerry Butler. And um, I was in the movie Who's Jenna, um, which was about five years ago, which with the guys from The Sopranos, um, did a little ditty in that. I was recently um, released in the um, documentary, uh, Larry Flint for President, which is the behind-the-scenes movie about the the um, Larry Flint running for president and the um, when he ran for president, which is what the premise was for the movie that they did in People versus Larry Flint. So anybody who liked the movie, the People versus Larry Flint, would love seeing this because this is the life of Larry behind that. And I was um, discovered um, by uh, Larry Flint's photographer, Clive McLean, and his wife, Althea Flint. And I was very close to her when I was them when I was young. So I had a lot of interactions with them. So they ran some of the stuff that I did in the in that footage. So I'm in that. And by the way, it got 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I was reviewed, which is almost impossible for a porn actress to get reviewed by mainstream as 100% like that. So I'm really proud of that. That was uh, recently, as a matter of fact. And uh, and now we've got the new upcoming film uh, coming out, which is um, 
you know, next stop Hell's End. So, and I've got some other things going on. I, you know, I did stints on the Man Show um, and things like that. And I can't really think of anything else, but um, just, yeah. Those so are- you can do a search on me on IMDb, which will tell you, you know, I was in over 500 adult movies and then the uh, mainstream stuff is there as well. And if you need to find out anything about me, you should always check in on my website, Media Hub, which is AmberLynnTripleX.com. And um, and that has everything about, you know, my adult career. I have um, a, um, a movie store, clips store, that has all of my scenes and all of my movies from Game Link that is available through the Game Link at AmberlynnTripleX.com. There's a link there so that I actually make um, money off of all my old scenes. More money than I ever made or got paid when I was in the industry. So that's a really good thing. So if you want to check out any of that. And it will also tell you what I've got coming up next. So um, that's really cool as well. The the entertaining. Follow me on social media. You know, I'm on all the social medias, uh, uh, Twitter, Triple X, Amber Lens, and Instagram, AmberLens.RNSU. AmberLens Media is my company name and um, and all of that. The, the entertaining videos are the ones where Larry Flint did ads for president when he when he did campaign ads. If you yeah. go to YouTube, those are just hilarious. <laughs> Larry Flint was an icon to me. Um, I met Larry Flint when I was young, and um, I'm so glad that I did. I met his wife first, and um, then I met Larry. And through them, I got a clear understanding of what, the path of being associated with the adult entertainment industry is really about and what our First Amendment rights are, free speech, and what the fight is really about sure. um, for this industry and the path. And it will change your perspective on uh, the porn industry and porn stars and not only the path that we that we lead, but also a lot of the things that happen to many of us for associating ourselves with this cause. You know, Larry took a bullet. Um, many people have been jailed. I think Mitch did had um, was Twice. associated, weren't you, from way back in the day with Harry Weems? Yeah. And yeah, um, just for for our free, you know, for defending our free speech. Yeah. You know, right. our First Amendment. And nobody would think that would ever come to play. But they only want you to have uh, your First Amendment rights available to you when they approve of how you're using them. And that's not what the First Amendment is about. It's when they don't approve of how you're using them that they really come to protect you. Giovanni and, was uh, Giovanni. Uh, Barry was a great guy. He was really a, a, a really nice person. And... Um, I, I just remember, gosh, so many, so many things. Uh, and I think he was the one who set up my first cementing out in front of uh, the Hustler okay. store on, the, on yeah. Sunset Boulevard when it was still there. You know, my handprints and, 
and stuff like that. I wonder what happened um, to those. I would like to have. Uh, I understand we pulled them out, and some of them um, are there, and some of uh, some of them were left behind and are still there, and some of them are pulled out because they wanted to um, uh, put them somewhere new, and they had some kind of a struggle with that. So I think they're in Las Vegas, if I remember correctly. Huh. Uh, I have a photo of uh, mine on the wall. They took out the slab, the, the piece of cement, and mounted it in uh, a bookstore in Las Vegas. Oh, uh, okay. If you want, I'll find that photo and send it to you later. Okay. And Bill was behind all of that. You know, Bill was always the one that was prodding, you know, Larry and people and fighting for us to have, you know, our... He was the best. Our accolades. And I will always appreciate that about him. You know, mm -hmm. and I do miss it. I do. I understand that uh, Tarantino is doing a film, a film, a new film, and that mm -hmm. the character in the film, the critic, is based on a version of William Margold, who Bill actually knew Tarantino and used to yeah. talk about him uh, to me back in the day. You know, so, you know, it's funny how... Um, so many of us have these mainstream connections in our background that are like some of the most famous people in mainstream were fans of ours. Right, Mitch? Oh, yeah. People that you would never imagine were, were people that would be like, oh, my God, I just I can't believe you. I remember being on the set of 52 Pickup. And Aunt Margaret and Vanity's there and Prince was on the set for lunch when, you know, at one point and, um, and John Glover. And I remember them surrounding me when we were shooting this. I don't know. It was some kind of a scene and we were on a bed and he comes over and he's like, what's it like to really fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, you're an actor. You don't get it. Don't you get it? And he's like, not like you get it. And I'm like, no, not like I get it. But then that's me. <laughs> but it was like, it was like when I would explain to him, like, you know, it's just like being on a mainstream movie. We act, we, you know, we're blocked for our scene. We rehearse our dialogue. We block the physical action, right? The physical action. We talk about we set up the shot and then we roll film and we take it from there. Yeah, but you guys actually, actually, you know, insert the penis in my vagina. Yeah, they do. They actually do that. And it's funny because I just see that mainstream, a lot of times mainstream actors stop. They yeah. stop. At the insertion, and I said, why would you want to cheat yourself out of all of that? <laughs> Giovanni is with us. Giovanni, let's get a question in for Amberlynn. All right. Hi, Hi Amberlynn. Hey, listen, uh, thank you for your time with all of us today. It's nice to be um, uh, with you here, um, both honored and humbled, especially seeing the great array of uh, fantastic talent uh, from our wonderful industry, people that inspired me to get into it. Um, my question is uh, one that my actually was my wife wanted to know um she's actually on a call in our vanilla lives uh, with australia right now but her question and i thought it was hilarious was bloopers what is the most 
hilarious moment or blooper that to this day, going back to it in filming, you know, porn, just always makes you die laughing. Well, there's a couple of incidences that are very famous in the adult entertainment industry. One is on the movie The Ten Little Maidens when we got into a giant orgy scene on a table, on a banquet table, and um, I was shooting a scene with Jamie Gillis, who was my fiancé and my live-in lover at the time, and Harry Reams decided to come over, and him and Jamie would always compete with each other for camera time, you know, who could, you know, who was going to take over the scene, and across the table was, I don't know if Mitch was in it, but I know that um, Ginger was across the table in a scene with, um, with, I think, PT and... um, and Nina Hartley, and there was all this, this is an all-star cast in this orgy scene, and all of a sudden, Harry Reams picks up the roast pig off the table, <laughs> right, and throws it on top of me while I'm doing this three-way with him and Jimmy. I was mortified. I was... I was like, I couldn't believe it. And they just went into this. For some reason, the food sent the two and their male, whatever which was happening, sent these two into this frenzy. And they were just going <laughs> crazy. And I remember, I think it was Ginger first, who jumped off the table and ran off the set and <laughs> ran into the outside. There was like a mountain or something. Maybe you were on it, Howie. And she jumped into the water. And I was like, and so then, of course, you know, I saw Ginger do it. So I jump up and I go running out, too. And I'm like, get this. And it was like, takes that. Harry takes the pie and he smacks <laughs> me in the face with it. And he's like, oh, knock it off. And Harry could be like that. You know, Harry would get a little out of hand, you know. And he, <laughs> didn't, he didn't wish you any harm, but then you'd have to kind of reel everything in. Oh, but I will say it was, we were all... A lot of us were, like, traumatized, but when it came to it years later, when you watch, like, the Benny Hill show and things like that, you couldn't make this shit up. You couldn't make this shit up. It's stuff that we would just, like, automatically, spontaneous go into. People would laugh and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, and the pig on her, and oh, my God, and the pie in the face, and I'm, like, pie all in my face, my makeup, you know, and, and then, you know, Ginger runs off screaming, you know, so you just can make that kind of stuff up, so that was a big one, and then I do also remember one time I was on a set, and we used to have to use these today sponges at one point before they were doing testing, for HIV, regular testing, which, of course, we want to thank Ms. Sharon Mitchell for taking our industry in a direction where we could all, you know, rely on testing and feel safe being on these sets. But before that, before that, we were in the industry. We were not protected. And the way, one of the ways for a while they were doing that was they would take these Today sponges, which had this non-oxanol 9 in it, which was known to cure or thought to cure the HIV virus back then. So we would have to take these sponges that had a little thing on them and we'd have to slip them up inside of us 
and press them up against our cervix inside. And apparently it was believed that that was going to stop the transmission of HIV if anybody had it. This was what we were doing. And one time I did a, a scene, and I think it was on that Devil and Miss Jones movie where it got stuck up inside and they had to pin me down on a table. Um, Alexis Vogel was the makeup artist and they had to hold my legs open and she had to like go up in there and like dig this thing up out of the, and I'm get it out, get it out. And she's like, push, push. And everybody's laughing. We're laughing because it's like, if anybody saw us do this, and we're all involved, you know, got to get the sponge out, got to shoot the next thing. And it was just, you know, the crazy family of X that we all are. That's amazing. Thank you. Amazing Thank story. You. Richard Pacheco's with us. Richard, good to have you here. Hi, good to be here. I, I was on about an hour ago, and then my computer started having a, a schizophrenic break. And <laughs> I, got well, locked, you. <laughs> I got locked out, and I couldn't get back in, and I've been spending the whole time that I wasn't here trying to get on, and I'm happy I made it. Because uh, I wanted to say, I think, was that your first movie, The uh, Ten Little Maidens? No, it wasn't my first one, no, but it was okay. definitely a memorable one. It surely was. That scene was incredible, and um, that's where I met you. That's, uh, that's the only time I think we've been on the same set together. That was at the very end of my career. And it was the uh, beginning, or uh, I think the beginning of yours, the start, starting era. And I wanted to congratulate you. Um, here we are, near 50 years later. And you, <laughs> and you have just really risen and expanded yourself and put yourself in all areas of entertainment. And what a career you've had. So I'm just Thank taking you. off my hat and applauding. Thank you. Oh, I so appreciate that coming from you. That's an honor. Thank you. My pleasure. A couple more questions before we go. We uh, got to let uh, Amber go here, but uh, Morty, go ahead. I can, you don't have, I don't have a, the union meeting was um, not scheduled. So whatever you guys need. I did want to touch quickly, if you don't mind, on the Herschel uh, Savage yep, thing yep. with the trashy lady before we go. Okay, you bet. Uh, Morty, go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, hello, uh, hello, Amber. How you doing? Hi. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Such an honor and pleasure. Thank you. I was just, I was just, it's, it's ironic that he said, uh, trashy lady, because that's what I was wanting to ask you about. I've, I like, I, I really liked that movie. It was a period piece. I thought it was well done. You had, there were so many legends in it. And um, I was just just wanted you to t touch on that. Just I just you know I liked it so much. I just wanted you to talk about it a little bit. The movie Trashy Lady was, and I would like to say it's probably one of my proudest moments in in my career. And I know it was for Herschel Savage too. And originally, and it originally the film. Jamie Gillis wanted the role of Big Louie because it was opposite Harry Reams, who was playing Big Dutch, and Ginger Lynn. And they came to me and they said, we want you in the film. We have a perfect role for you. And they rolled out the idea of Rita. 
And Rita was this ball-busting, trash-mouthed lady who, and they wanted, they wanted it portrayed so much more over the top than at that point I was capable of or thought in my career. I saw the world differently and, you know, they wanted the, the voice they wanted the accent, they wanted the dialogue, they wanted everything for the period. So um, two things happened. One was um, Herschel Savage won the role over Jamie. And Jamie was disappointed, I remember that, but he said, you know, Herschel will be great. And I think it might have been one of the first times I ever worked with Herschel Savage. But we got together because that director was very serious and about everything, every little tiny detail, the costuming, the sets, everything. And um, we uh, rehearsed our dialogue and worked on our character for uh, several months. You know, there was a lot of time between the shooting of the film and um it was probably one of the first times that in my career I got recognized by the reviewers as an actress, as having done a really great job, having stepped outside of how they saw me, the box. And I really appreciated the director doing that with me because, you know, Rita had a whole thing that had to go on in her character where there was, there was actions and there was hand movements that kind of correlated with the things that she was saying. And, um, and it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. But it came out so amazing at the end. And the movie was so amazing. And it, it got a lot of awards. So um, I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely, one of the best scenes ever was um, the scene that I did with Herschel Savage in the prison where I go to visit Big Louie in the prison and he thinks I'm cheating with Dutch, but what's really happening is Dutch has hired me to teach his innocent new girlfriend portrayed by Ginger Lynn to be like a trashy lady like me. And, um, it's 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 a it's an amazing sex scene and I love it. As a matter of fact, and it's unfortunate that once Hirsch passed away, we trotted out that scene again because you know you instantly go back to oh my god, you know we did this together, we did that when you're doing a tribute and honoring their memory, um, and then I got to see it again. It has, and I have to admit, it's. The loss of Herschel Savage has really affected me. Um, you know, it makes, it's opening a door for me where we're, I'm starting to face my own immortality because, you know, we've lost people in the industry and the loss of Bill was really big for me. Um, but Herschel is like one of my peers and one of the people that I grew up with, came up with and losing him, I, I didn't expect it. And the funny part about it is with life is it had actually put us back in each other's life through Mitch again, right? Right before he passed. And I was going to go to his birthday party and I got sick with strep throat. And because he had been getting ill, I said, you know what? I think I have COVID. Yeah. And I 
And I said, I don't want to come and give you what I have because I was afraid it could be life-threatening because you know how we've had to really be careful with each other with COVID because at our age, we have to start thinking about this. You know, if I give you COVID, (laughs) I could kill you. It's not, it's not like I'm going to give you my cold or you're going to get a shot and it's going to be gone. Like we could give each other something that would actually cost them their life. And he had been having a lot of dental problems and stuff like I am now. And so I said, and I'm so disappointed, but we, we had this really great interaction through text messages. He sent me pictures of him and his birthday party. And we had this really nice, I remember this and I remember that. And, and those are the memories I have on my phone right now that I will take with me. So when he passed, I knew I had to go to his memorial. I knew I had to go. And I was so glad I did. I, I got to see old friends and people that I knew for years and years ago. I ran into Peter North and T.T. Boy. And it's good. It's good because, you know, we can, no matter what we thought or did or fought or didn't fight or got along and loved and this and that, it's like a family. Yeah. It's like a family. These are people like, like you know, Howie said, 50 years. That's, that's longer than most marriages for many people. <laughs> and nobody knows where you went or I went like you do because we went there together. And nobody will ever understand what it was like to experience our industry in that era, in that way. And it really is special. You know, one of the things Bill Marvel said is we allow people to vicariously live through us sexually something that they could never imagine in their own real lives. And we have to take that. We have to take that responsibly. So, yeah, I I certainly have bad luck because I was on the phone and heard Bill Margold died and then I was texting Herschel. On Friday night, the uh, October 6th, and we were talking about sweet corn because he was going to come to my house on that next right. Wednesday. Yeah. And yeah. anyway, um, he, I said uh, somebody had was going to bring over a gallon uh, container of off-the-corn, off-the-cob sweet corn because Herschel was having some dental work. And um, he says, oh, wow. And then he sent me four ears of corn emojis. And I said, then I wrote back about something. And usually he would sign off or conclude and never said anything. And yeah. so um, that was, he, he died texting. Me. Yeah. Uh, um, was, was wow. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Because usually he'd wrap it up. Hey, we'll talk to you. And, 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 you know, and for me to miss Herschel, I don't miss Herschel at seven at night. I miss Herschel yeah. one in the morning when he didn't know what his goddamn time zones were and yeah. would call me and the phone would ring at two in the morning. Oh, it's midnight. Well, I, did, I did get to meet his son at the memorial, which is really funny because Ooh. the SGI Buddhist Center where they had his memorial, when I was in my second year of sobriety and I was working on my second step, which was finding your own higher power and all this stuff, I did do some studying there 
at the SGI temple because I studied Buddhism in all forms. And I we came across each other back then then and I knew he was a longtime Buddhist. So I did talk to his son, who's also a member now, who he's given that gift to his son. And it was great to go back there and get that feeling. Um, but I was in that moment able to kind of talk with them because when they were talking about his porn career from the podium they were very almost I could feel the judgment again and I I went over and I was talking with his son and I got to speak to them you know the directors and I said you know I know that Buddhism is how we you know you chant to break through these obstacles that are in your life and I think you need to do some work about around your judgment of the adult entertainment industry there <laughs> hear it in your pitch about his career and I want you to know that Herschel was one of the most talented legendary and loved people in yes. in our industry and mm -hmm. that is nothing shameful about anything to do with his career you know, he was the kind of person where I could not see him for 10 years and yeah. then just run into him somewhere. And it was like, it wasn't like, oh, hey, I know you. Do I have we, am I talking to them <laughs> or whatever? You're like, no, you see them and you're just like all the years melt right in front of you and just he was that kind of person yes, and he was kind of hey kid you know what's up amber you know amber he'd say what's up you know and he'd tease me and pick on me and you know the same thing and i just i just love it and when he came to iowa before um there was about three people in my town knew his profession everybody else just hey herschel i mean he he had the time of his life and then course, as, as a few more people knew what his occupation had been, uh, my insurance agent's secretary says, hey, I'm kind of artsy-fartsy. Can I do something for him? I said, sure. So anyway, she made this uh, this up for him. Yeah. My, Bravo. My insurance agent's uh, secretary. She, outstanding. And so then uh, he signed a copy of that for her and then did a video. Uh, and his last line was, Cindy, if you build it, I will come. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but like I said, here I am. I'm sitting in the front row. I'm crying. You know, they're doing the whole memorial. Oh. And um, all of a sudden, I stand up to go do the tribute, you know, with the incense. And I stand up and I turn around and I look. And here's Peter North. And we're looking at each other. And we're mm. both tears in our eyes. And just in that moment of like, you know, because... We came up in the industry together, Herschel, me, um, you know, all of us. And to see each other again and to just be in that moment of, of I can't believe he's gone. Of all the people, yeah. the two people that I thought would outlive us all were going to be Buck Adams, who I thought would outlive everybody, and Herschel Savage. And we yeah. lost them both at such a young age. You know what I mean? You know, Herschel visited me two weeks before he passed. And uh, I have a photo of that. Uh, taken. We went out to breakfast at one of my local restaurants here on the mountain. And uh, I asked the waitress to take a photo of us, the two of us. And she did. And I posted that on my Facebook page. 
not long ago, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so if you ever want to check my photos, uh, you'll see a really good shot yeah. of he and I. Right, we got. Uh, Thank you for sharing that, that. And you know what I just noticed? Your memory is not failing you a bit when it comes to the important things. I can still remember <laughs> lines from Shakespeare, uh, which is funny because I just did a, a Hamlet uh, soliloquy um, this morning. I think it was uh, the "to be or not to be" speech from Hamlet. And uh, uh, so I actually I kind of do that on purpose to keep this thing going. Um, but in any case, yeah, I'm still hanging in there. And I plan You're on hanging in there. You're Sometimes we are doing better than we realize, you know, and if I feed into the negativity, especially like now, you know, we come from an era where we were so blessed that there weren't like trolls and there weren't like, you know, the internet that could destroy us and all this stuff. And it's, it's a very difficult, um, to be in the entertainment industry now, cause you could be doing the best job in the world and people will get, will attack you for sport and belittle you and put you down and say horrible things. And it's, it can't be a reflection of who you are, but it's much more painful, you know, and um, to be in this industry today. And I think that we are so lucky to have come from the era that we did that to keep those memories alive is, is important because it's not, it's not all about what, what that is, what's happening today. You know, I, there's, I agree. there's something I underneath agree. it all. Sure. And, and the funny thing about it is, is that I started in 1969 uh, when we were shooting little wind-up cameras, black and white, and we'd have to pause and wait for the director to wind up the camera again. And uh, then along came... Uh, you know, 35 millimeter film and and uh, professional, really uh, great uh, sets and and actors and everybody, the the, the people in our industry uh, are very special in my memories, sure. and you very much included because I I really uh, uh, well I I liked you a lot. Let's just put it in that way. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got three more three more people to get to, and then we'll wrap things up. And uh, okay. Scott, Scott is first. Go ahead, Scott. Hi. Um, sorry to meet you. Uh, have you did any scenes with Lisa DeLeo? Lisa DeLeo? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for bringing her up. You know, we did work in a film together back in the day, and I want I want to say a couple of them. Um, I don't know if I had a direct scene with her, but I know that she was in, along with Kay Parker, oh, another one, yeah. um, the Taboo series. I think that we were in Taboo 5 together. Yeah. So I think that um, it was one of the Taboo series. And also I think that it's important um, that we mention um, 
So I don't know. I don't remember working with her directly, um, but I know that she was in a couple of movies that we did that were like big budget films back then. And I want to say it was Taboo. I want to say it was the Taboo. Series. She was in Ten Little Maidens. Was it Ten Little Maidens? Maybe she it was, was that in that one. too. Yeah. Okay, so then it was probably Ten Little Maidens, and she was amazing. I, I, oh, yeah. beautiful redhead, big busted redhead, great human being, wonderful, wonderful human being. And was Kay Parker in that one, or was that the Taboo yeah. series? No. Okay. Okay. Bob, let's go to Bob. Uh, Bob, we got your Christmas card. Thank you very much. Question Thank for Amplin. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to know if you have a Mount Rushmore of porn stars. You know, people say something about that, and then they, they go in and go through all this stuff. We don't have a Mount Rushmore. The reality is we don't. So I just like to think that we're all important. We've all had our own, um, you know, career path and um, importance at different times in the industry um, where, you know, we go up and we go down and then we're over here or over there. <laughs> but, you know, the great part about it is we've all survived. Um, I'm grateful for the career that I've had. I've had an incredibly blessed and successful career. I, when I stepped foot in the doorway of the adult entertainment industry, I never in my wildest dreams would have known that what Bill Margold said to me on that day was actually going to come true. I was a little, you know, Orange County surfer girl who was coming from a broken home. I'd lost my mom. I'd lost my dad. And people weren't very nice to me in my childhood. I'd suffered some abuse. So the fact that anybody would ever think of me as a legend or a real talent talented entertainer who had something to bring you know we went through so many things we were there when you know we fought with the um the the legalizing of porn i was on that i was the one of the one of the people there that testified me i'll never forget me tom byron and everybody you know standing outside of the courthouse with bill margold i have been incredibly blessed and i've always done my best in all eras, even when I was loaded, to show up, <laughs> to show up and do the best work that I was capable of or could do in that moment. Always wanted to be for the betterment and future of this industry. And I think that in doing that, I can say, you know, I either I either benefited from it or I learned from it. Sure. Mike, that's from, it. Mike from Indy, let's wrap things up on the question side with you. Go ahead, Mike. Um, <clears throat> hi, Amber. First of all, it's really, I saw all of you like 40 years ago, each of you that are here on a big screen in Indianapolis, Indiana, your faces. And it's so cool to kind of fast forward all these years and see you in this forum. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for showing up. The little interactions I've had with, with a few of you over the, over the years on social media have been lovely. Every one of you have been incredibly lovely. So thank you for that. Um, my question for Amber is, if you had done nothing related to adult or mainstream industry whatsoever, what do you think you would have done? What, would, what sort of path in life career-wise would you have chosen had you not done anything related to the entertainment industry? 
I probably would, you know, part of what I do today as well as I do advocacy work um, for women and children who are either, you know, from um, alcoholism or addiction or they lose their children um, through the course of some sort of abusive, you know, domestic violence or something like that. And um, I have been able to have a very strong voice that I'm very proud of in that. So I think I probably would have followed the path of either being an advocate for, you know, women and children or people um, or, um, or animal rights. So I also am, you know, proud to be the sergeant at arms. Um, an officer on the board of the only federally recognized um, union in the adult entertainment industry. And um, that was a huge win for us. It's, you know, it's a real federal union. And, um, and so I, you know, I have um, served as an officer for eight years on that. So I would have found a path somehow somewhere you know i also you know own a real estate um business you know so you know i'm an entrepreneur i've always been a kid who wanted to make money when i was a kid i even had a lemonade stand when i was just really really young so i've definitely been somebody who has a very strong work ethic and backbone you know so i would have persevered in something but i did leave the acting and entertainment industry for quite some time when I first, you know, fell into recovery because I needed to do that then for a short period of time. Um, and I, I, I came back as an actress um, and an entertainer because you miss it. When you really are an artist and it's in your heart, it's in your soul, it's like, it's just, it's who you are and you have to continue to create and it doesn't have to be you know the fireworks going off or the greatest movie you ever did um but you do want to continue to produce and create it's just in your soul so i think i probably would have done something along one of those lines okay well i think we've just yeah. about checked all the boxes i did want to have you talk briefly about your your involvement with the adult union real quick if you can give us a little synopsis of, of um, how that affects uh, people in the adult entertainment industry and your role in it. Um, I am the sergeant at arms for APAG union and APAG union is the first federally recognized union in the adult entertainment industry. We're very, very proud of it. It has gone through several, it has morphed over the last eight years in several forms. It is now, um, I work alongside the president, Alana Evans, and um, the vice president, Kelly Pierce. Um, Kiki is the secretary. There's people who are either former or active um, people in the industry um, who represent the union, and we fight for the rights of performers in the industry today. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the industry today that needs to be policed or um, fought or changed, and that's what we represent. Um, so this will be, I believe, my 
going on my eighth year as a sergeant at arms. And um, I'm just proud to be of service to my peers in the industry. And as long as I feel that I am lending, you know, um, a supportive help in that respect, then I will definitely continue to serve as long as they want me to. Um, but I do invite others in the, in the industry to come and get involved. Somebody's going to come and say hi. He just came over from his nap. So before we go, everybody's been talking about him. This is my baby. This is Bobby. Oh, gee, man. Say hi. Hi. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's little G. That's my baby. That's the one I keep talking about. Thank you. I think we've had a, a wonderful time here. I know we started out our year, and I want to say prayers for Karen Summer. Uh, who Absolutely. Um, she started off our year uh, for our first show in 2023, and Amber wrapping things up just makes a wonderful year and puts a nice bow on everything. So, again, Amber, prayers thank to you. Karen Summer. Many blessings. And, Happy uh, holidays to all of you. Thank you guys for having me. Take yeah. care, Amber, and uh, we'll be back January 7th, and uh, we'll just have to announce who's going to be on the show. I'm I'm uh, hoping to put a nice, uh, nice start out to 2024 on that first show. So, again, we'll see everybody on January 7th. Again, thank you, Amber, for being such a pleasant guest, and uh, we've gone way over our time, but that's okay because uh, we answered every question that needed to be answered, and we got to meet your little dog. Okay. Bye, everybody. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. We'll see you on January 7th.